0: my feet glided in a circular motion on the elliptical beads of sweat ran down my cheeks and dripped from my chin I barely noticed the steady yet speedy pace I kept the music I'd carefully chosen had a quick beat and was dark and moody suitable for both cardio and reading The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I remained engaged and distracted for a time. Halfway into my hour-long exercise, two men on bike machines behind me began conversing. This wasn't the first time I was forced to listen to the two talk, although it's always really only one of the two that does all the talking. The talker is old and gaunt. By his looks, it's unclear if he's entering old age early or is already old and holding onto a wiry middle-aged body. His thinness and dry, wrinkled skin hints at current or past drug abuse. His dark gray handlebar mustache is accentuated by the blue bandana that always covers his forehead. Today, he went on about Oedipus. You ever heard of this guy Oedipus from Greek mythology? He was this guy that killed his father and married his mother. The talker barely stopped for a response. What kind of sicko does a thing like that? I mean, come on. He was as loud and abrasive as ever, despite going on about a subject that didn't warrant the assumed volume and intensity. As he went on about Oedipus, I began to recognize he had many of his facts wrong from the original myth, despite getting the gist of the story. He went on and on, from Oedipus to Freud and on to incest. Diversity in your DNA is really important. You can get to be pretty fucked up if you don't. At this point, paying attention to my music and my book was impossible. As my hour on the elliptical came to a close, I felt tempted to approach the talker and confront him. I knew better, however. He was technically not breaking any gym rules, only social ones. I did not foresee either a civil conversation or a foregone solution. I was simply going to have to live with the talking. Once I came to this conclusion, I found myself strangely admiring one aspect of the talker, his social vivaciousness. True, his choices of topic and voice volume were mostly undesirable, but he still could steer conversation wherever he so desired. This is a key skill I've been trying to hone amongst friends and, most vocally, on romantic interests. I was able to read one last paragraph from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo before I got off the elliptical. She had been sharing a house with him for a week, and he had not once flirted with her. He had worked with her, asked her opinion, slapped her on the knuckles, figuratively speaking, when she was on the wrong track, and acknowledged that she was right when she corrected him. Damn it. He had treated her like a human being, she got out of bed and stood by the window, restlessly peering into the dark. The hardest thing for her was to show herself naked to another person for the first time. Seeing a lot of my introverted self in the quiet, antisocial, enigmatic character, Lizbeth Salander, this last excerpt stood my neck hairs on end. I became distracted again as I reflected back upon my latest romantic moment. We sat on opposite ends of my black love seat. Both of us leaned against our own arm of the miniature sofa, unsure if any touch would be welcomed. Compounding the awkwardness, the British comedy I'd picked for us to watch was painfully slow and confusing. I invited this guy named Jack over to watch a movie. He was the last guy I'd been on a date with who I met on OKCupid. We hadn't hit it off on our first date, but he was a nice guy that enjoyed my company. I cringed during Brendan Gleason's scenes. His utterances were barely decipherable through his thick Irish accent. Every once in a while, I'd voice a fleeting thought about the film, trying to break the uncomfortable mood. Jack would smile and respond. I'd keep it short, unsure if he wanted more to watch the movie or talk. Once the torture was over, we began a conversation that lasted over an hour. He showed me some of his tattoos and explained their meaning. He then asked me if I had any tattoos. No, I responded. I can understand why you have them, though. It reminds you of things that are important in your life. I get it. My life changes so much, so quickly. Yes, I have values that don't change, and yeah, I have friends that remain friends almost permanently, but a tattoo is so final. I don't want something on me permanently that might not be as significant in my life down the road. I don't want to continue looking at it if I don't want to. But again, I can understand it working for other people, like you for instance. As the hour wore on, I was surprised at both my ability to keep the conversation going and in my personal openness. Jack was sweet, kind, and polite. He had this charming way of being both boyish and gentlemanly. At the end of the night, I walked Jack to my building's front door. What are you up to this week? He inquired. Working, volunteering, and I'm, I'm going to a bunch of concerts, Radiohead and Andrew Bird. His eyes lit up with excitement. I've been trying to see Radiohead for years. I'm so jealous. I laughed and told him I would let him know how it was. I hugged him goodnight, unsure if he or I was interested in any more than just that. Suspended yards above Tom York, ten large LCD screens dangled from thin, black wiring. They flickered green static and images of all York's bandmates. The enormous screen behind them resembled a calm body of water. Radiohead was in the middle of playing Reckoner, their last song before two encore sets. As the song came to its close, York bowed and exited the stage. The entire stadium of fans roared. They idolized and idealized York and his bandmates for the musical creation they produced and performed. Radiohead creates stunning and exceptional art, making it easy to forget that they are human like the rest of us. It's difficult for me personally to build up enough self-esteem to excel at anything when I'm idealizing whomever, whether an artist, a friend, a romantic interest, or otherwise. I'm constantly guilty of idolizing and idealizing. It can be socially, creatively, and professionally paralyzing when I believe I'm not participating at the same level I imagine others are. On my way to the car after the concert, I texted Jack, confirming plans to get together for dinner over the weekend. Consciously, I'd resisted the urge to imagine any idyllic moments with him. And I muted my overly analytical mind when I tried to idealize him. The subtle ways he showed his interest had caused me to gradually grow attracted to him. This was the bottom line. The rest, I told myself, I would let materialize in present moment thought and action.